According to data published by the United Nations, 348,030 babies were born on Wednesday, September 2nd, 1981. And as luck would have it, I was one of those babies. I was born in a little hospital in El Dorado, Arkansas. And the number one song of that day was Endless Love by Diana Ross and Lionel Richie, which is a fantastic little love ballad. And the president was Ronald Reagan. I looked for other interesting facts about that day, but there are basically none. It was a nothing day, as far as I know, except for my own birth. I'm Jacob Slayton, and this is my entire life. I had an older brother named Hunter who was almost two at the time. And my dad had two kids from his first marriage, but they'll come in later. They lived with their mother in Tennessee. Uh, I don't remember much of anything about El Dorado because we only lived there till I was two years old. But uh, my dad was a lawyer there and he got a job in Little Rock in 1983. And so that's where we moved to a little house on uh, Teton Forest Drive in a neighborhood called Pleasant Forest which is basically the poor man's version of the adjacent and much wealthier neighborhood of Pleasant Valley, both of which were at that time located in the westernmost part of West Little Rock, which has now moved much further west. Anyway, uh, we lived in that, in that house on Teton Forest from 1983 to 1993, and those are the years around which this episode is focused. I'm lumping all of those years together because I don't have a whole lot of memories during that time, but uh, it is my early years, so I'm going to talk about it here. Those memories kind of blend together in my mind as like a single blob of sort of disjointed thoughts, but I'll try to make some kind of sense of them here, and I think it might be kind of interesting. Uh, first off, a little background. My dad was a relatively new lawyer at the time. My mom stayed home with the kids, and uh, just about them really quick, my dad was from South Arkansas, um, the Camden, Univista uh, area, uh, Hope area as well, uh, same hometown as the one Bill Clinton. And my mom was from Memphis, which sort of makes us a pseudo-Southern family because Memphis people are kind of weird and not completely Southern. Um, they kind of like think they live in Chicago or something, but they're, they're in Tennessee. Anyway, Memphis is cool. South Arkansas is cool. But that kind of makes us a uh, sort of oddball Southern family. Um, my, my mom's family was, was super wealthy. And my dad's family was dirt poor, had zero dollars to their names. And so it is a little interesting uh, seeing those two, uh, those two backgrounds kind of come together. But that makes us who we are. So. Anyway, we are basically uh, your your standard white middle class Christian family that happens to live in Arkansas. That's enough backstory for now. We'll fill that in later. Back to Teton Forest, the uh, little green house on the hill. It was a cool house. Um, I have happy memories from there. Like I said, my brother uh, was about two years older than I was, and. Um, at some point in time, I'll have to ask my younger brother, but um, he, he came along. Uh, he's, I don't know, four or five years younger than me, uh, and he came along and uh, moved into the little bedroom uh, uh, next door to us on the upstairs floor. 
And uh, so my, my older brother Hunter and I shared shared the other room up there. And uh, the only real memories I have of that bedroom um, is that uh, we, we had two little twin beds on, on each side of the room. And there was like a space of carpet on the floor in between them. And uh, at night, in my mind, we did this like all the time. But uh, it may have only been like two or three times. It may have only been one time. But uh, at night we would like lay there with the lights out and just spit hawkers on the floor in between our beds <laughs> uh, to like create a minefield of hawkers for when someone had to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. And I thought that was the funniest and greatest thing ever. Um, that's my number one memory. And the other memory I'll have from that room that'll stick with me forever is that one day I remember we were, uh, Hunter and I were sitting on the floor in that bedroom, like playing with toys or something. And, uh, again, Hunter's two years older than me. So he was the, the wise seasoned, uh, veteran of the world. Uh, and he, uh, he shared with me one day that he knew all of the cuss words. And of course I needed to know them as well. And so he sat there and got real quiet and like shut the door and, uh, and he got real quiet and he was like, all right, are you ready? And I'm like, yeah, man, hit me. Hit me with the curse words. I got to know what to say. And uh, I don't remember like any of the ones that he said, except I know he didn't say the F word. We weren't educated enough for that yet. But um, the only one I really remember was that he got really quiet and um, he actually wouldn't say it, but he wrote it down on a piece of paper and he was like, this is the mother of all cuss words. Don't ever say this word. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't wait for this. And uh and he, he, he got a pen and paper and he wrote down on the paper a word and he handed it over to me and I unfolded the paper and it said, bastard. <laughs> and uh, I just thought that was the coolest and most outrageous thing anyone could ever say. And uh, now it's like the least offensive cuss word. Anyway, um, those are really my main memories from that upstairs room. Uh and then uh, at, at some point, my little sister Carrie came along, and uh, and that that caused me and Hunter to have to move downstairs. They turned the downstairs guest room into our new room, um, and my little brother Sam moved into our old room, and Carrie, you know, moved into the little nursery bedroom upstairs. The downstairs bedroom was totally cool, and I have some good and happy memories from that room. Um, primary bullet list. Uh, run through is we had these blue bunk beds that were like metal and uh, there was like uh, the bottom one was like a full size one and then the top bed was a twin and I can't remember Hunter and I switched switched off who who slept in which bed uh, several times I think but because um, it was like the top bed's cool but it's smaller so we never knew which one was better course i just did whatever hunter told me to he probably doesn't remember it that way but that's uh that's how i felt but we had these cool bunk beds and it was kind of like this dungeon because everybody else in the family lived on the top floor it was like one of those split level houses you know and so my parents and my siblings lived on the top floor and me and hunter lived kind of in that basement floor behind the book behind the garage area so it was cool we had our little little dungeon down there and uh, we had a little tv and uh we would just play nintendo all day um, like I said, it was like between 90, 1983 and 93 that we lived down there and it was awesome. We just played video games. 
Um, we we uh, we watch Saturday morning cartoons, Saved by the Bell, TGIF. Oh, what was the TGIF lineup? It was like Family Matters, um, Step by Step, uh, Perfect Strangers, um, and then the last show was shoot. Oh, Full House was in there too. I think I can't remember. Uh, they changed up the lineup a lot. And then they had this show on Nickelodeon called, um, are you afraid of the dark? And man, that, that absolutely terrified me. Um, but that was fun. We lived down there. And one day I remember we came home, uh, from school and I don't know how old we were. I guess we'll have to see when, uh, we'll have to look up what year Zelda came out. I'm going to look it up right now. Um, but we came home from school one day and, uh, I'm, I'm typing in the legend of Zelda. We came home from school one day and uh, my parents had just uh, put the legend of Zelda, uh, the brand new legend of Zelda box on our uh, TV downstairs. Oh, here it is. It came out February 21st, 1986. So I would have been five and Hunter would have been like seven at that time. And uh oh my gosh, the gold the gold cartridge. You guys you guys remember. It was it was amazing. The Zelda Zelda took over our lives for a while. And uh it was just fun, man. We had a lot of good memories down there. Um other other things about that house. Um oh uh yeah, yeah. Other things about that house. Uh, and I'll get into the school years here in a second, but but the other memorable things about that house was that uh Next door, a couple of kids lived next door. Their names were Zach and Kurt, and they were like the bad kids of the neighborhood. Uh, like they smoked cigarettes and stuff, and they said all the cuss words. I, I guess I eventually learned them all from Zach and Kurt. Um, and we didn't really ever do anything specific. We just kind of, you know how you did back then. You just sort of run around the neighborhood and, you know, raise hell and stuff. Uh, and then back behind us, there's some, a, a couple other kids lived there, uh, uh, Matthew and Mark, and they were cool. They were, they were good buddies of ours. So it was fun. We had like, you know, there's four boys running around. I don't remember any girls in the neighborhood at all, which was probably a good thing, but we would run around the neighborhood and, and goof around. Um, there was a, uh, there was a, there was an old dried up lake, um, that we called the mud hole. And it was just like this swamp, and we would go down there all the time, and um, you know, just just basically just be uh, just be little hood rats, basically, uh, just just messing around looking for stuff, and uh, you know, jumping around, pushing each other in the mud, things like that. Um, and there was within the goon within the mud hole, there was also this little spot we called the Goonie Hole. And for you guys that have seen the movie The Goonies, which if you haven't, you should definitely see that. Um, but there was uh, like there's this scene in the movie where um, the kids are all all the Goonies are like down in this well, and um, and there's like water dripping down. And it's like all these roots and stuff, and they're like underground. And that's what the Goonie Hole looks like because it was like this this little creek where this dried out lake sort of flowed into. Um, there was like this. Um, uh, almost like a, a landslide where like the mud had just given way. And there was like these two walls of mud that was probably like 12 feet. And then above it, there was like a gap in the ground where you could like jump over. And, uh, 
a little story about the Goonie Hole. This is the coolest thing I've ever seen. I mean, it's the most insane shit I've ever seen in my life, honestly, at that point was there were some other neighborhood kids that were like uh, always kind of messing with us. They probably thought we were the bullies, but we thought they were the bullies. And anyway, one time we were down at the Goonie Hole and uh, the other kids were there and we were like my group with with me and Hunter and Zach and Kurt and, and Matthew and Mark were like on one side of the Goonie Hole and the other kids were on the other side of the Goonie Hall. I don't remember their names at all, but we were like throwing rocks at each other. And these other kids were like a little bit older than us, and they were like really picking on us and stuff. And my brother Hunter um, picked up this rock, and we were all throwing rocks, but Hunter happened to be the one that connected. And uh, he, he grabbed this rock and just chunks it and absolutely cracks this dude in the head, this kid. And in my mind, he like went unconscious, you know, and blood's pouring out and everything. And we all run away. Anyway, the kid ended up going to the hospital and it was like this whole big deal. But that was definitely one of the most gangster things I've ever seen in my life. I thought Hunter was the coolest for that. Um, of course, those of you that know Hunter know that he is not prone to violence. So uh, it's it pretty funny anyway. Uh, but uh, that, that, was a, that, that memory stuck out of my head. The other one that was a big deal um, was there was a pool, like a neighborhood pool, sort of in between our house and the, and the, and the mud hole. And, uh, you know, and we'd always walk down to the pool and sort of just wandering around. And one day I was down there um, uh, walking like from the pool to the mud hole area, just on this little sidewalk. And these two kids came up to us. And, uh, and I was just with my friend, uh, my, my friend Danny. I think it was just the two of us. And uh, this kid, these two kids come up to us, and, uh, and I was wearing these, uh, these aqua socks. You guys probably, some of y'all probably remember those. But they were just like these stupid water slippers that kids were all into back then. Uh, but anyway, these two kids are walking up to us. One of them, as they get real close, one of them pulls, a, pulls out a knife, and it was a switchblade. And he, he, he hits the button, and the knife pops out. And he goes, give me your shoes, man. And I was like, you know, holy shit. Like, th that was really scary, man. I've never been actually, you know, threatened with a, something like that before. And this kid kept saying, give me your shoes, man. And I just kept going, why? Like, why do you want them, dude? I'm like, why, dude? <laughs> and uh, it, like, it, like, just dissipated. Like, I kept asking why. And finally, he was just like, never mind, dude. And then he walked off. But, oh, my gosh. It scared the hell out of me. Um dude's trying to steal my aqua socks man i had just gotten these things um so anyway i didn't punk down i kept my aqua socks um but uh you know that was kind of i don't know that seems like a good picture of the neighborhood it was just wandering around you know nothing to do parents kick you out of the house for the summer and so you just kind of goofing around again this is from like Oh, I, don't know, I was probably 10 years old, 10, 11, something like that at the time. Uh, but, you know, you used to just wander around. Um, another great memory from that house was um, uh, uh, my brother and I used to make these stupid home movies. And uh, we've, we've still got them laying around somewhere. But, um, you know, these like spy movies or like funny gangster things like these like uh, movies that were based around like um, – like it was always like mobsters and like some poker scene and like somebody somebody's cheating with poker and like you know I don't know they rob each other and punch each other out they all these like choreographed things and like uh my little sister's like in the background just like you know sucking her thumb or something and uh anyway that that was just the fun stuff that we used to do and again like it was a happy home um 
with, uh, you know, just your, your basic stuff, no, nothing outrageous. Uh, my parents were great, are great. They're still great. Um, but, uh, that, that was the primary, like outside of school memories from that time. Um, oh, and there's one more, um, uh, that, that, that pops into my head one year. I forget which year it was, but, uh, it snowed like three feet of snow in Arkansas, which is, we usually get one snow a year, like maybe an inch, maybe two. If it's crazy, we'll have three inches of snow. It snowed like three feet one year, um, in the late eighties. It was probably like 89 or something like that. So I would have been like eight or nine years old. And, uh, and my brother Hunter and I went outside and, and, uh, we, uh, we dug tunnels in the snow I mean, three feet of snow is crazy, really, for, for most anywhere. But we dug these tunnels, and we had this whole, like, system of tunnels, and it was just the most fun thing ever. And I, I'm pretty sure that remains, like, the uh, record snowfall, um, certainly in my lifetime. Um, but uh, I, I bet you that, that record's going to be held for a long time. Um, so anyway, uh, life was good at home, and... Uh, and, and and then at school is you know basically I break this time up into my two schools that I went to. Um, one I started out in uh, at this little school called Walnut Valley Christian Academy, which is now called Little Rock Christian. Um, go Warriors! Just kidding, don't go Warriors. Um, but uh, that <laughs> uh, Walnut Valley went there from uh, kindergarten to second grade. And it was fine, whatever. I, you know, I I, I, I was never t- totally interested in school. Um, my my real main memory from that was um, I used to get paddled all the time. Um, that 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 tells you how old I am. Uh, I was like the last generation of kids to get to get whoopings at school. Um, but uh, whenever I got in trouble, I would get paddled, and they'd take me into Mister Yancey's office, and uh, he had this wooden paddle, like one of those, like you know, maybe. 20 inch long wooden paddles and uh he would totally whip my ass in there uh which you know i'm sure i deserved it i was a little i was a little uh smart ass you know i I just wanted to make people laugh it's kind of the main thing um and you know everything was more interesting than school Uh, and i will say about that school i had some amazing teachers um shout out to miss neves and miss norman those are the only two I really remember. But man, if you went to Walnut Valley during those years, you know Miss Neves and Miss Norman. They were fantastic. Um, uh, and then uh, then things got a little darker when it comes to school. Uh, in third grade, uh, my parents sent me to Washington Magnet Booker T. Washington Magnet School, uh, which was like if if Walnut Valley was like the rich white kid school. In West Little Rock, uh, Booker T. Washington was, without a doubt, the poor black kid school in the hood. Um, And that's just a fact. Um, And uh, it it was weird. I I still don't entirely know why they sent me there. Um, They sent me and my brother Hunter both there. It wasn't a punishment, but it felt like one. Um, So just going from like this, you know, white kid Christian school to like, pretty dangerous school where, uh, there was only three other white kids in my grade. It was just a culture shock. You know, I had really never been around, I'd never been the minority in my life, you know? And, uh, so it was, 
it was quite a learning experience. Um, yeah, really, I say learning experience, but it was, it, I don't know that I learned much of anything except for, except that I did not want to go to school there anymore. Uh, but I went to Washington from, uh, third, fourth and fifth grade, third through fifth grade. I had, I was at Washington and you know, those are like, uh, those are, uh, milestone years for, for kids. Um, and it was just terrifying. It, it, some of you guys remember the, um, the gang violence that was going on in the early nineties. Um, and, and for those of you that don't know, Little Rock has a interesting, um, uh, part of place in history, uh, during that time, because, uh, you know, in, in those early nineties years, um, that was when the, the bloods and the crips were, were really, uh, fighting in, in Southern California. And, uh, the guy who was in charge of the Crips at the time, I forget his name, but um, he had family in Little Rock and and moved to Little Rock to like escape some of the heat that he was catching out there in Southern California. And so strangely enough, the gang violence of, you know, uh, um, you know, Compton in, in the early 90s, um, NWA, you know, that kind of stuff made its way to Little Rock. And um, because, because this, this guy from the Crips came and moved in there and sort of started it up in Little Rock. And, and all of that is, um, is, uh, uh, covered in depth on this documentary that I think HBO made, um, back at that time, uh, which was called, uh, gang banging in the rock or banging in the rock. But yeah, I think it was just banging in the rock about the gang violence that was going on at that time. And Booker T. Washington Magnet School was like right in the middle of those of those really uh, gang dangerous neighborhoods back then. At least that was my perception, um, and 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 I'm I'm certain it's true anyway uh, because I've seen that documentary and it's like all the streets that they talk about uh, was right there around my elementary school, and it was scary. You know, we had kids there that like were legitimately in gangs, and they had, you know, there you pe- the kids were banned from wearing. Um, like royal blue or like blood red colors. You you really weren't supposed to bring colors to school. And the kids would still like have a bandana tied on their backpack or stuffed in their pocket and they'd flash it sometimes. And it was just like, just discovering this, this, this world of violence and gangs was, I mean, it was like intoxicating on one level and fascinating. And it was also like terrifying because I'm this like sweet little clean cut haircut, white kid from West Little Rock that just has no place in this, in this world at all. Um, and, uh, it, it was just scary. I rode the bus to school. It, it was a weird different time for me. Uh, and, and it made me who I was in a lot of ways. Um, but, uh, the, the main memories from that time, like I said, there was three other white kids in my grade and not that I was, you know, you, you, in, in a scary situation, you want to go to what you know. And so we kind of banded together and, and we made, I, made, I had some good friends uh, with the black kids as well there, especially this one kid named Merlin. Uh, he was awesome. Um, he was like a foot taller than me and he was funny and we goofed around a lot together, but because he was so tall and he was my friend, I kind of avoided a lot of trouble because Merlin would kind of watch out for me and people wouldn't mess with Merlin because he was so big. And me and Merlin would just goof around. We would just cut class and roam the halls and 
you know, joke around and, and, um, you know, he was just a cool dude. So Merlin, if you're listening, holler at me, dude, I, I would love to catch up with you. Uh, but the other, uh, he, he was my, he was really my main, uh, friend, uh, um, outside of the other white kids there who's, who was, uh, it was Neil, Paul, and this girl, Erica. And I think there may have been other white kids there, but those are the only ones I really remember. Uh, me, Neil, and Paul were super tight and, uh, Erica would like hang out with us a lot, you know? Um, and we would goof around on the playground and stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, and we had a good time. That was kind of the happy memories. Um, but, uh, there was, there was this group of girls, uh, these, these, uh, these girls that were like at least two grades ahead of me and they were terrifying that they had like these crazy haircuts with like this wild hair everywhere. And, I, I didn't understand them at all, and they would like pick on me all the time. They, they didn't really pick on me; they picked on everybody. But they really scared me, and I had to I had to watch out for them. Um, so just imagine this little skinny, clean cut white kid, just trying to make his way in this school this that was just full of rough housing, and you know these kids didn't have a whole lot of you know, most of their parents were split up and there was a lot of people in jail and older siblings that were in gangs. And, uh, there was gunshots, you know, from time to time where like we couldn't go out on the playground because there was gunshots in the area. It, it was crazy. Definitely watch that HBO documentary to get a better idea of, uh, where I went to school from third, fourth and fifth grade. Um, other memories of that time, uh, I've got two specific music memories. Well, three, really. Um, uh, two two from school and one from home. And I'll close out this episode with my music memories um, and, and a little talk about what's going to happen on the next episode. But uh, music memories, uh, music is a big, big part of my life. And maybe this is partly why, because I, it just always spoke to me. Um, uh, whenever I heard like interesting or new music, um, it always just touched me. And these these are three completely different um, <laughs> types of music. But uh, I'll start with the earliest one. Um, when I was still at home, I, so I was probably like five years old. I'm, I'm taking it back to before I was in school age here. I'm still at the house on Teton Forest. Uh, my older brother's in school. I'm say five, maybe six years old. And I'm sitting at home one day. I'm watching Sesame Street. And, uh, you know, back in the heyday of Sesame Street, my mom's like messing around in the kitchen or whatever. And they had a musical guest on Sesame Street and, um, it was James Taylor. And, and I didn't, you know, I don't know anything. I'm only five years old, but James Taylor comes on and he played, um, he played up on the roof, on top of the roof of the Sesame Street building. That was the musical guest. And that song came on, and James Taylor's, this is like uh, back when he had long hair and stuff, and uh, he came on and started singing Up on the Roof, and my mom heard it from the kitchen, and she came in and like swooped me up off the ground and was like dancing around with me, singing Up on the Roof, and that was really my first musical memory, and I think that's what really shaped me. It kind of made me say like, oh, music is an important thing you know, cause it meant a lot to my mom and we had this fun memory from that. And I'm still a huge James Taylor fan today, but, um, but that was just like this sweet little moment, uh, where I, I discovered a love for music and I had this connection with my mom through that. Number one, James Taylor up on the roof, Sesame street, probably like 1986, something like that. 
that really marked me. The other, another musical memory that I have from that time was um, I'm at school, I'm at Washington Magnet, and some kid, gosh, now I don't remember exactly where I heard it, but at some point I heard um, the, uh, the Chronic by Dr. Dre. You know, I, I think that came out in 93, so, or maybe 92. So this would have been towards the end of my, my time at Washington Magnet. And, uh, but I heard the chronic, you know, oh my gosh, that, that album is wild, man. That was so good. Um, there's that song, uh, uh, gosh, which one was it? The like F with Dre Day song. Um, God, that was so good. I, I just remember hearing all of that and I was thinking like, oh, this is freaking cool. Maybe I saw it on MTV. I don't remember, but hearing the chronic for the first time, it just blew me away. Just, just how heavy and hard it was. And like, you know, and I started like getting a little bit, you know, interested in that, uh, in that sort of CD underbelly sort of stuff, like all that gang violence stuff that was going on around me. Like it just, like I said, it was just fascinating to me. Um, and that was the, that was the soundtrack of my time there for sure. Uh, I wasn't ever allowed to own that album, of course, but, uh, I heard it a lot and that, that makes up a lot of my memories from there. The third musical memory song I had from Washington, and this really shaped me more than anything was I, I remember standing on the playground one day, um, maybe probably fifth grade, and a friend of mine, I think it was Paul. Yeah, it was Paul. He, he had a Walkman, you know, a little tape, tape, set, tape cassette Walkman with the little, uh, little headphones with the wire in between them. And he was listening to something. I said, what are you listening to? And he just takes off those headphones. Just imagine this. He takes his headphones off his ears and he puts them on my ears. And what came out of those headphones was the Metallica Black Album. And I was just like, oh, I mean, you talk about freaking teen angst, you know, just chugging through the headphones. I mean, that thing woke me up and it was like so dark. And, you know, this was also like the beginning of like, you know, what I've heard described as um, satanic panic in the 80s in the 90s, you know, you, you remember the West Memphis Three, I mean, that also happened in Arkansas, and so it was, people were real scared of the satanic evil music and stuff, and I was so um, just, uh, what's the word, I, I was just tantalized by it, it was just like, you know, the darkness was calling me, you know, and that, and it was awesome, and I, and I remember thinking, like, there's nothing wrong with this, it's just music, and so what if it, um, is heavy, you know, if it speaks to me and helps me get some of my emotions out, what's the problem with it? And I think that's probably where I began to have this like rebellious spirit. Um, uh, when I heard some of these, this music that I wasn't supposed to listen to, um, but it got into me and I was just like, ah, oh, yes, like this meets a need, this touches some kind of a feeling in me that I needed. And so, um, man, hearing that Metallica, it just blew me away, you know, and you always want the thing you're not supposed to have. And, you know, coming from the Christian home, like we didn't listen to that kind of thing at home. You know, my, my parents were into James Taylor and my dad was into like Righteous Brothers and sort of doo-wop music and, you know, that kind of thing. And I liked that too, but uh, this was a whole new world. And it really set me on a trajectory of discovering music that uh, I will definitely get into in the next episode, which is going to be my middle school years. 
Um, so in 1993, my family uh, moved me out of Washington Magnet and into back into kind of the rich white kid school in West Little Rock, a different one called Pulaski Academy. And we also moved from Teton Forest uh, to another neighborhood called Hillsboro that was just down the road from Pulaski Academy. And, uh, and that's where I started my sixth grade year in 1993. And that's where I'm going to pick up uh, next week. So um, subscribe to this podcast, tune in, check it out, share it with your friends, and um, stay, stay tuned for next week where we're going to get into my middle school years. And then beyond middle school, it'll start going year by year. I'm just going to tell the story. So thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy. Check you next week.